As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wait a minute. You got a mustache, bro? Okay. I know, dog. Like, it's that quarantine. That's so funny. People been saying that. <laughs> Look, I be telling people, I don't trust no black dude that ain't got a mustache. Not, not even Kobe. Until he grew his beard out, I wasn't messing with Kobe, bro. Nope. Nope. Hey, you can't trust it until he grew his beard out, though. That's true. Though. That's true. That's fact. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Don't Do That, Bro. We are back two weeks in a row. Look mm. at us just mm. – maybe we took a week off. Maybe it happened. I don't even remember <laughs> now at this point in time, but we flexing on y'all because we are consistent in this mug. Uh, my name is Dan Duncan, one of the hosts of Don't Do That, Bro. Uh, our goal here is to help all people, but specifically uh, targeted at the men who generally suck at life, uh, not suck at life. Um, and we do that on a consistent basis, but lately America sucks. So we are here to talk about it. Um, and, <laughs> and so we are here to help all people at least gain a new perspective, challenge their thinking, maybe offer some new perspectives, uh, and generally disagree with us. But hopefully in that disagreement, you might find a little bit of truth that helps you out. Uh, my co-host who brings a lot of that truth to the table, uh, Mr. John Parker, JP, what is up, sir? Hey, man, you know, I'm just swimming in the cesspool of American life. You know what I'm saying? I was going to say another word, but I'll say the curse words until later on. You can't start off so strong. <laughs> the, kid, the kids are still saying this. Right, right. You got to ease into it. Yeah, still you come in hot, baby. Right, right, right. I got to keep that energy. So I don't know if I got it. <laughs> but I'm That's good. That's hilarious. And that other voice, that other voice you hear uh, is our uh, guest for this episode. Somebody who uh, was critical to the launch of fourth district uh gosh seven years ago um he was he he at that point in time was slightly um you know more uh you know in the weeds with what we're about to talk hey, about um but he they has me, he has set place. himself free <laughs> they had me in the place was it the sunken place or yes just bro no in the, the place. sunken place 
the voice you hear <laughs> the voice you hear is Adam Thomason. Um, he became a great friend to me when he was the uh, the, the CEO of Collision Records, um, and I've just been able to learn so much from him over the last seven years. Um, he has uh, grown and done so many things, written a book um, that you should read. He made a documentary that you should watch. He's helping with another documentary that I'm sure you're going to hear about in the coming days and weeks, um, and leads Three Strand Films. AT, what's up, man? Thank you for joining us and uh, jumping in. Hey, I'm honored to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited for this time. It's gonna be oh. hot, fire. Come on. <laughs> so we've been teasing. We've been teasing it. Um, you probably got the title when you clicked on this. Um, but this episode is entitled "Dear White Christian." You should check out what we did two weeks ago, JP and I, dear white people, um, where we kind of just gave you an inside look about at like conversations between two friends from you know differing backgrounds, differing opinions, but you know, seeking to find truth. And that is what this is will be as well. Um, we all come from different backgrounds, um, from a spiritual standpoint, um, from a Christian as a, you know, overarching view standpoint, um, and have landed in, in, in different places uh, today and all been on, um, you know, different journeys really for the last, you know, decade plus amongst ourselves individually. Um, but the goal of this conversation, I think, is to help <clears throat> specifically the evangelical Western church, um, which culturally we can clump together as white Christianity. Um, and we will use that. And you may be triggered, but go fuck yourself. Um, okay. Um, hey, coming in hot, baby. Um, <laughs> maybe you may want to bleep that. Um, white blessings. Uh, white blessings. <laughs> I, I'm, Say uh, something like that when you're a white blesser. You know what I'm saying? Bless you. Bless you, sir. Um, anyway, we are. Uh, the goal of this is to really just help um, people understand uh, why Western Christianity is more and more disconnected from uh, specifically black culture, but also, um, as I would like to discuss, um, from just a thoughtful culture that uh, kind of senses the hypocrisy um, of white evangelicalism, Western evangelicalism. And I'd love to just discuss our different journeys. Um, I've kind of come to that conclusion uh, really over the last couple of years, uh, and we can go into y'all's individual stories as well. And I think that might be a great way to start uh, of where we are today um, as individuals. And then I think we can talk about what, where we think the conversation is going to go, um, as I think this seems to be a growing conversation um, on the internet, uh, as mm. on social channels, and yeah. as people try to understand what is Christianity today, and in, in, yeah. in the form that it takes, especially in this country, and how does it return i think would all be like every single person's goal would probably to be say no matter where you are how do we return to a a a purer a truer form of christianity that aligns with the teachings of jesus of nazareth um mm -hmm. and and how that actually betters everyone uh involved um both eternally and uh in the short term but jp why don't you kind of kick us off man like I know you've been on a journey the last couple of years and it's, and it's caused you to kind of be introspective about uh, spiritual 
you know, things. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like an ambush. I thought we was going to talk about Jesus of Norway, not Jesus of Nazareth. So I had to, have to look at <laughs> the notes again and make sure I'm properly aligned for this conversation. Uh, Jesus but, of Norway. Hey, man, that's the one. I'm going to quote you on that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> He's an all right dude. He's all right. Uh, nah, man. So I think um, I became a believer in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Um, at 19, uh, junior year, sophomore year of college, one of the two. And for those that may or may not know, I was introduced into like Pentecostalism, uh, holiness, which for me on the outset, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Although I couldn't watch movies, couldn't listen to music, touch, well, I'm guessing I'm not supposed to touch girls, but I was a lot of things I wasn't supposed to do that was <laughs> potentially normal, like just watching TV, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Uh, Cause you know, everything was sin. Um, and I didn't really notice that anything was weird until, you know, I started reading the scriptures more and then just the things that the pastor would do, the, the things that we did as a congregation, we didn't, nobody from the community came to the church. You know what I'm saying? It was just like very insulated or insular, uh, and isolated mm -hmm. and everybody was evil sinners. And unless I brought people into the fold, I shouldn't interact with them out on the streets because they would, or at work or whatever, because they would draw me back into this life of crime, this life of sin or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, then pendulum swings. I moved to Atlanta. I uh, ended up in these Southern Baptist institutions, these uh, Calvinist institutions, these Reformed institutions, and it went from things being heavy spirit led to heavy theological and book learned. Um, and there was, you know, I was again on another pendulum, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and didn't really understand uh, this this great middle point that I'm trying to be at now. Um, and so, you know, just 20 years in, um, fast forward the story a lot because I don't want to say too many too many things because there's people I want to be friends with. Oh, sometimes I <laughs> omit certain things, institutions and things. I'll let them figure their thing out without, you know, uh, holding them too accountable, but I still feel a certain way. Um, so fast forward 20 years into my faith, I ended up in South Africa mm. uh, and I was attending Hillsong Church, a plant that they planted in South Africa. Mm -hmm. I don't mind saying their name because they can kick rocks. But, name uh, right, uh, in, in this township called Guguletu, it's a black township in South Africa. South Africa is mm -hmm. still apartheid written, so you have white areas, colored areas, black areas, so and so forth. And townships are like slums, don't hear yeah. suburbs. Don't, don't hear townhouse. <laughs> don't, don't hear townhouse when I say township. That is that is that is not, not it. it. Uh, yeah. Some of them are a little better off than others, but whenever yeah. you see tin roofs uh, and and shacks, yeah. you know it's it's going down, right? Yeah. Um. So, at, initially we end up there, me and my wife, and my kids, because four years previous, when I was in South Africa, we had done some work there. We did it through Hillsong Africa Foundation, which I wish I could separate from the institution itself, but you know, you're all in the same roof. You're all in cahoots together. Cahoots together. You know, you might do some good stuff, but daddy over there he i don't know what he got going on so um we ended up there because we knew the people knew the community let's do it so whether it's because i'm american whether it's because i don't know what the factor is i'm black and we're in this black township they just give me the keys right they just i'm in i'm in these meetings i'm yeah. seeing what's going on i'm hearing the talk i'm hearing the information i'm seeing what's going on behind the scenes uh and it just becomes like wizard of oz over time like oh shoot let me peel back this curtain and mm -hmm. i really see what's happening i really see what's going on Nope. And I was able to deal with the cognitive dissonance for a while, but I think yeah. one of the biggest things that got me was I was in a space where you hear about people coming to Google it too. You hear about them seeing the poor kids and seeing the mm -hmm. situations and then they write a check yeah. uh, and then they write that check and they think that check is going to be directly 
influencing the lives of the people in these, this yeah. area that they saw. Yeah. But then yeah. you find out that check goes to all these other things outside of this, these people that this yeah. person saw that touched their heart that mm-hmm. possibly got moved and they wrote the check or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you hear stories of like, oh, well, these people in this community think we're an ATM and, and, and every time something happens, they just want free, 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 free. I'm like, bro, like, well, they don't have anything. You're in this place telling them they must give and they need to give because otherwise God won't be happy with them. You know, you hit them with that psychology. Uh, they end up being the biggest givers in all the areas that exist in your church, like the poorest people giving the most, like, okay. And so when they actually just want oranges and chips at the youth event, you're like, ah, oh, we don't have it in the budget. Like, bro, like really? Okay. Um, so after that, I was like, all right, okay, we, there's something happening here. Then I just started seeing things after things, after things, after things, using the kids, making them work for free, making them pay for conferences when they're volunteering the whole time. Like, why are they paying for this conference that I can barely afford as an American? And they're here three days a week volunteering, doing everything for free, and they can't get the hookup to come to a conference. Like, all right, I see what y'all are about. Because you got to be selfless, yeah. man. You're yeah, you're right. You're right. God will bless you somehow. Um, <laughs> you can't go to work and get a job because you're here every day volunteering, but somehow you got to decrease. You yeah. got to decrease so he can yeah. increase. That's it. Increase your faith. Um, <laughs> so for the sake of time, I won't go into all the different stories that any, I would, I would love to do nothing better than to, to rip these guys. But um, I did, unfortunately I met some people that I thought were cool that I, I thought were okay. But then I'm like, Hey, once you're a part of the institution, you're a part of the problem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and you benefit from it and it is what it is. Uh, yeah. So basically for me, towards the end of my time there, we were there for over a year, I started reading um, uh, Pagan Christianity. And mm. it kind of confirmed for me like, oh shoot, I'm not crazy. Like I've been a part of this thing for 20 years and the BS that I've witnessed and the things that I think are wrong are, oh, man-made. They have nothing to do with the God of the Bible. They have nothing to do with the church as a people. It's an institution yeah. that was created by man that didn't have any, it didn't have a good start and it's not gonna have a good end. Like that's just, for me, the way things, in my mind work. I'm not all or nothing, but I'm like, yo, like, I can't keep hearing we're broken people and we're trying to figure it out. Bro, how long y'all need to figure it out? This shit ain't working. It don't work. Like, it's, it's not a good fit. Um, again, that's just me. So at the end of, at the, end of it all, um, for, you know, for time's sake, I just came to a point where I realized, all right, for who I am, for what I care about, for the people I care about, for the things that I want to see done in communities, in families, it's not going to be done through this institution. Not just yeah. this Hillsong institution, but most of these institutions that yeah. exist, period. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I told somebody the other day, in the black community in America, there's a liquor store and a church on every corner. But I can see the influence that the liquor store has had on this community more so than the church. Mm. That's good. That's good. You know? Right? And it's like that everywhere you go. I've literally lived in three countries. I've visited 16 countries. I've been on six continents. And every interaction that I've had with church as an institution has had the same bullshit happening. You know what I'm saying? People mm-hmm. beg, help us, help us, help us. People like, we'll just keep taking from you and maybe the Lord will bless you. And it's just, it's just horseshit, bro. You know, yeah. um, in various forms. So I think I just, I've landed in a place where I'm about house church. If you want to call it that, I'm about connectivity with your community. I'm about knowing your neighbor. My marriage was literally saved because we started doing house church with our, our next door neighbors, you know, before the quarantine, then we ended up moving next to them. We share resources, we share food, we watch each other's kids. My kids are in house school, uh, like how, you know, like homeschool, homeschool. Kids next door. And it's just yeah. like, oh shoot, like we are literally changing the course in the direction of each other's lives just by being intentional and being intimate and not having an institution tell us how to do and what to do. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's some institution out there that's getting it right. I hope, I hope. Um, but I just think for me, I'll never be in a place again where I give my time, talents, and treasures to an institution 
only for that institution to monopolize, to pimp, to, you know, degrade my Christian experience. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Give us your, give us your journey, man. Yeah, I'll give you Twitter, Twitter, uh, journey, because I want to get into, I want to get into this combo, man. Uh, yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, born yeah. and raised Detroit, Michigan. That's in a, you know, word of God, word of faith, apostolic background. Okay. They gave me my black church, church experience. Love it to this day. Um, they were more like, don't read the Bible for yourself. Let the man of God interpret it for, for you. Mm-hmm. So, I leave Detroit. I was born in 1980, graduated in 98. Leave Detroit, 17, and I go to the South. Boy, boy, boy. Whoa. I went to the South. <laughs> I'm the youngest of three. So y'all understand I'm the youngest of three. My parents didn't have a, a plan to have me. They had a rocky marriage for the first two years. They stumbled through 14 years. They were going to separate after my sister, who's the second. So I was the, the child they say never got parented. Why that matters? So when I go to the South, though they did marches and rallies and protests and civil rights stuff, when they went to the holiness movement, they told them that that stuff wasn't of God. You need to leave that alone. So when I go to the South, they never prepare me for the South. Uh, they, they don't tell me about the racism of the South, the history of the South, the hypocrisy of the church. All these things were just foreign to me. So I walk into yeah. a gauntlet at the age of 17. And from really 17 to 34, I was under... I was in it, like, on staff, leadership of the evangelical church for 17 years. So, like, John, I have a lot of receipts, seen a lot of things, saw a lot of hypocrisy. I'll be honest with you, I just didn't see lives change. I saw people uh, really perfect moralism than it was the power of Christ Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit in their life. And so after 17 years, I was like, man, this whole thing is a sham uh, from the institution. And I said, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, but this ain't going to be it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and uh, at 34, I'm 39 now. At 34, I had a friend who's doing work, relief work in Iraq. He invited me to come over to uh, Iraq just to check out some stuff. I went over there, and I go, this is the stuff I've been longing to see for the 17 years. And, and people mm-hmm. say, what did you see? I said, I saw the kingdom, right? That was just a simple form. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there. I went to the schools. I got trained at the schools at the master's level, doctoral level. I know all the history of, you know, what I call white church history from Calvin, Luther, Zwingli, all the arguments, all these things. But at the end of the day, um, I just call it a, a middle class at best, but really an upper class faith that was just pressed upon people because they controlled the narrative of everything. You know, um, so that's kind of my journey. I mean, currently, I, 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 with John, I, I, I agree and believe that the Bible talks about interdependency, intimacy. Uh, I'm big on saying Yeshua. You know, he's he's our rabbi. You know, um, so I still I, I claim to follow his teachings. You know, um, I don't believe that you know a church building is needed only because. If I told y'all tomorrow, like, look, I'm going to buy a big-ass house, and I'm only going to use it one day a week, <laughs> give me some money for it, you're like, nigga, you crazy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know? But yep. nigga, they, they get away with that stuff all the all time. All day. Dog. All like, day. Nigga. Right. Like, I, I was like, y'all need 
use it seven days right. a week, man. Right. Y'all not talking. Not only do we that. have one of those buildings, but a lot of us have five of those. <laughs> yeah, buildings. I'm yes. like, come in on, five man. different parts of the city. And no, homeless people sleep outside of it, but it is. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, and when ain't nobody in it, you know. Yeah. So it's just that it's just that stuff. I laugh about it now. It's like, oh y'all, this wouldn't fly nowhere. Nowhere, bro. Yeah. Nowhere. <laughs> you know. So I'm big on like, hey, if they're gonna put those resources down, like, hey, put them. Put them in the hands of the people's very lives, livelihood. You know, we should have farms, we should have food, we should have yes. neighborhoods, we should have an yes. oasis to where you can depend on people. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I am. I know other stuff's going to come out, but that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah, I'll do mine real quick because it's pretty much mainstream as you get. Um, what like kind of grew up down the street from a church, came to know the Lord um, my freshman year of high school. Um, and went off to college, did Young Life, did kind of got plugged into churches, the Acts 29 network uh, in that time frame, you know, swinging pendulum between uh, reading Calvin and Edwards to Rob Bell and like trying to find some sort of like semblance of, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, when this becomes real and also yeah. like theological. And I think um, <clears throat> I always tended more towards the theological. I am a person who loves to like digest very complicated things and let them mm. like sit with them and does this make sense and that like does something for me um sure. but um at as we've talked about over the last really couple weeks um you know i think i'm having a revelation and have had a revelation over the last two years that i traded theology for the gospel um mm. and spent so much energy and time trying to prove god um, to myself instead of like actually experiencing a living God. Um, and, uh, and what changed everything for me is I basically didn't believe in any of it anymore. Um, uh, and, uh, about uh, a year and a half ago, went to Israel, um, and kind of like, a we had planned the trip already. Uh, it was a year in the making as I mm. kind of walked this path of like, I just don't know what I believe anymore. And then, um, we went there and all of a sudden I, it became abundantly clear that like the things that I most struggled with, the hypocrisy that I saw um, in the church, the lack of change in people's lives, the lack of community um, that people experienced, um, mm -hmm. uh, what was just, I, I went to Israel and I was like, oh, it's, it, it's about a people. It's not a person. It's, it's, like everything that like Western Christianity is like built upon, like it kind of was shattered once you understood and walked in the footsteps of like the apostles and walked in the footsteps of Jesus and realized yeah. what he lived, like going to um, Peter's ho <clears throat> home and seeing how, where Jesus probably lived in that home and being like, they literally, like, this is the size of, you know, a shack that we would compare to um yeah. and yet like this is there was an intimacy here and i so just everything was like turned on its head um where i've landed now is that I, I, we're part of the anglican church um and that's you know if i told myself that i would be co-signing a church um led by a female pastor um uh that was you know tangential oh, to the dude. catholic church like i would have told you that you know you're out of you your risky, mind. Man. Yeah, you don't love God, um, bro. Not with that woman. Yeah, you don't uh, do it. Uh, risk, and, bro. And, all the risk. But it's 
but she said <laughs> but god god through her saved saved me uh i remember the day that i was like all right god, i'm swearing like i'm swearing you off i can't do this people have abused um this pedestal and no one's willing to give it up for the sake of the gospel Mm. Um, that's what I saw across all of the pastors that I'd experienced and the manipulation and the behind the scenes conversations that JP, you alluded to. I saw them as well being ushered into those rooms for creative reasons mm-hmm. um, and was just like, oh, it's just it's just BS. And I went into church one day and the the pastor of one of the founding pastors of Trinity, she was like, yeah, this stage isn't for me today. I need to be like I need to be with you. This word is for me. This word is for you. And like, I, I don't this pedestal is done. Um, and I literally wept. I was like, Oh, this is, this can be real. It like gave me just a little bit of hope. And then we went to Israel a couple weeks later. And, um, so yeah, I'm here today, hopeful in the gospel of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, and I, uh, I want to talk about what white, what, what Western Christianity has become and how I think it has been five degrees off, um, for 2000 years and now uh, has ended up hundreds of thousands of miles from the the center of the gospel. Um, Mm. And uh, I will say before we get into this, I don't know, there's probably a lot of people, white people listening to this. I believe that the gospel is present and active in this country. Uh, I believe that the gospel is present and active in various churches around this country. Um, This is not a, um, a complete, uh, the point of this podcast is to not um, dismiss the church, the big C church, and to say that it is uh, dead. The point of this podcast is to talk about how we as varying people um, with different backgrounds can come together, unite around a set of ideas to call out the ideas that are harmful, that are harmful and hurtful to people that are man-made, call them out and allow them to be shed from your own lives. So, um, I think, and we're only, again, we're only talking to, um, really Western Christian believers. If you're outside of that group, please listen in. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people to understand what are the harmful things that are so intertwined that we've alluded to some of them, um, but that hurt people of color specifically, um, and why there's a giant exodus and a disconnect from, from Western mm-hmm. evangelicalism. Let me let me chime in right there. So I will say this, yeah. um, this is Adam. I don't know if, if y'all are listening. I'm African American, black dude. So um, I'm gonna be honest with you. <clears throat> I don't know if I would say the gospel is prevalent here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you why from a biblical standpoint. Christ had this. Yeah. He had this peculiar phrase where he says, "On those days, you will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons mm-hmm. in your name?" And he said, you know, depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of iniquity, you workers of iniquity. Not that you believe things of iniquity. You are actually working in the opposite direction of who I am. Now, I'm just going to ask a fundamental question that has never been asked in my 17 years of being on church staffs that people assume. Who are those workers of iniquity? We've never, we, we've never, we're so arrogant, we don't even think we could be those workers of iniquity. Mm. Mm. Now, <clears throat> I'm be honest with you. I'm I'm gonna tell you why I believe from a historical and biblical standpoint. Just real quick, why I believe. Yeah. Uh, um, the umbrella 
right? So there are people who can get saved in prison, but I think the prison system is terrible, right? So I'm not <laughs> hey, saying that point. God ain't minute. saving people in America, uh -huh. but I'm saying the umbrella of what everything is found on, I don't think it's this like thing we have called it. So yeah. historically, remember y'all, the defectors from Britain were British and they did not want to be subjected to the king's rule. They, they were tired of subjection. They said, we're going to build a society where we know no subjection and it is going to cater to white skin. It's going to cater to white skin from Britain. It's going to cater to white skin from France. It's going to cater to white skin from Dutch descent. It's going to cater to white skin from Port Portuguese descent and Spanish descent. They said, we're going to cater to this white skin, right? So they left. They had this revolution. We know what it was. They forced one off the land. They brought another on the land in the name of Christ. So remember the term they weren't, they, they did not want to be subjected. And now we're living in a society, society where they still don't want to be subjected and they're not subjected. Why do I say that? The gospel is actually the opposite of not knowing subjection. Mm. And here's the problem. When you've only lived as the majority, it's hard for you to understand. You don't even talk about that Christ chose Jewish skin. He didn't choose Roman skin. The Jewish skin was subjected of that day, right? Mm. People don't put that together. But people of color, we identify with that because we know subjection every day, right? But a white pastor's not going to talk about that Jesus had Jewish skin and that, that Jewish skin Jews were being picked on. They were mocked. He was from Nazareth in the lowest people group. We know what that means, <laughs> right? And I'll make this last point, and, and y'all chime in. If you just think of it, listeners who are white, you rarely hear, if any, white pastors talk about the actual day-to-day -day subjection over those 33 years of Christ. You're going to say, huh, then what do they talk about? They talk about the last seven days of his passion and the sin that he took upon himself. And a, and a rabbi said, the worst thing you could do is take away Jesus's 33 years of his humanity. Mm. And I'm going to tell you why I don't believe they could talk about it. Because they don't know subjection. And that is, mm. that is the false gospel that has been brought here from, from Britain is a gospel that doesn't know subjectivity. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't know subjectivity, all you're going to do is spiritualize the gospel and talk about sins all day long. And that's why you hear about pornography, giving, hey, take, make sure you take care of your wife and your kid. But you don't talk about how to handle the day-to-day -the -day things of subjection. They don't know it. That's that social gospel I don't need, sir. Keep that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> JP, what are your, what are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, for, I mean, for, for – because I've seen, I'm sure like you guys have seen Western Christianity and it's a uh, weakenical spread across the, the globe, right? Um, and because I've seen the same tactics, the same lack of subjectivity, the same lack of care and concern for uh, the savages that they're bringing the gospel to or these different groups, um, I, I don't have a lot of faith in the Western Christian system in a sense of like, like AT saying, it's like, you know, the foundation of it was trash. Um, the fruit of it is trash. And when you're a, again, I, 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 I was a black Panther when I lived in Oakland, when I went to Berkeley, I was a Panther. You know what I'm saying? When I, I grew up in Southern California in the height of the bloods and crips in the eighties, banging on site, death, yes. everything around me. Right. 
Um, so when I come to the faith, I came to the faith because I was going to murder two people. Like I literally was a gun and six bullets. If it was a six shooter or 10 or 12, whatever the clip was going to hold yeah. away from throwing my life away. Mm. Mm. Right. Mama told me, if you ever get into trouble, call on Jesus, go to church. Hey. Right. Yeah. That's what I knew. So that's what I did. And my life dramatically shifted. But the shift was because my works were different. Like I no longer thought to kill people. I no longer wanted to do harm. I became soft as toilet paper on the basketball court because yeah. I didn't want to body nobody because I'm supposed to be this meek, humble, mild person. And even though I was in a black Pentecostal situation, my pastor's mindset was evil people do evil things. So all this angst and all this upset and all this frustration, all the things that you have that may be geared towards white people or yeah. whiteness or white supremacy or whatever, throw that all out the door now and just understand that it's a sin issue and it's evil people. And so I was always in this conflict of like, dang, bro, I see all this stuff that happens. I see the world. I'm an African studies major, African-American studies major, where I'm seeing the diaspora studies from the beginning of time until the modern day. I'm seeing manifest destiny and all this horse shit that people, that when these boats left, Europe, they left with the intent of murdering, raping, pillaging, and plundering, and had a bishop or a priest or a whatever on every ship. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, and so for me, it's like, bro, like the more I read and I get over the initial push of like, oh, Jesus is a white man's creation, Christianity. But once I can dispel those myths of Christianity and white man's thing, then I dig even deeper and I'm like, oh shoot, like the tentacles of supremacy, the tentacles of racism, the tentacles of bigotry have so sunken their 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 roots into this thing that i that saved my life as far as i know once i moved from california into this this black experience and i come to atlanta and come into this primarily white experience and then black people also perpetuating this white experience like Mm. i become deflated over time because i'm like bro every thing i do and say seems to be contrary to this shit that they're feeding me and i don't know what the problem is only to uncover but the problem wasn't me And I'm yeah. sure I'm problematic. Yeah. I'm sure I do some things that are, but I'm saying of like, course. you do. It's, it's, you it's do. this faith I do. Thank you. Don't do that, bro. It's why we started. Oh, don't do that, bro. Right, right. <laughs> the, the the core essence of this thing that I'm trying to do is so contrary to what I'm reading. It's so contrary to what I'm experiencing. I'm in Ethiopia. I'm in South Africa. I'm in France. I'm in all these different places, and I'm like, yo, like this, it just doesn't match up, you know? No, it don't and match so, up. Right. And so I think for me, yeah, it's just like, all right. Once I realized you know, for, you know, that the root of the issue is that this gospel has been bastardized. Once yeah. I realized that this gospel started in Middle East Africa, went north, and then after it left north, oh, shit, it broke. It's like, what yeah. the hell is happening? You know? hey, and, to, and to that point, people act like, white folks act like you doing the world a favor. Mm. I'm like, nigga, if it wasn't for my ancestors, you wouldn't have a gospel. <laughs> Oh, ass out of here. Right, 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 right. And those are the things, bro, we can talk about missionaries. We can talk about culture. We can talk about, like, bro, like, the gospel became synonymous with speaking English or Dutch or Spanish or whatever, wearing a suit and tie, you know what I'm saying? Like, changing your name had nothing to do with the gospel. It had everything to do with supremacist culture, you know what I'm saying, majority culture. Let me me go off that because I think that's where I, like, jump in as well. Like, I think the thing that made me burn out on – Western Christianity was, and I think we even referenced it a little bit earlier, but this idea, and I think it's important to bring it back up, that Christianity in the Western context has become therapeutic, moralistic deism in the mm-hmm. sense that they, you will acknowledge that there is a God, mm-hmm. that God has no bearing on your day-to-day decisions, that has no bearing on your 
your the the people you love, the people you go to, um, and you do it be, as therapy for your own self BS that you're trying to figure out, um, and uh, and you have some code that guides you um, morally that you couldn't even identify um, why you believe in morality anymore. Really, you just it just is ascribed to you by your culture. Um, and therefore you ascribe that specific morality to God. Mm. Um, and, and it's injected into so many places where, uh, people in our, in these churches are not connect community are not, not connected to each other. I think it was the most like transforming thing in the world when I like spent time with a rabbi in Israel and he helped me understand this idea of community mm. uh, as, as, as a single unit, like a living thing that is inseparable, like each individual is inseparable from that unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and to understand humanity as this, like only connected to others um, and instead of the way that we've been sold it as like, you know, you do, pull yourself yourself up by your bootstraps, mm-hmm. do what you can with your life. You are res- your personal responsibility. Um, and I think uh, it's that personal responsibility is used um, as a weapon and also is used as a way to privatize religion so that it only you, it only applies to you and you can walk out of a building and it no longer has bearing on your life. And that's what I saw over and over again. And I even saw it in my own life um, that I would walk into a building, have this experience, and then it would have very little bearing um, on my day-to-day decisions and, and what I was doing. And I think, A.T., the last piece of this is that um, I think Christianity uh, needs persecution in order to actually be a to be to be th- to thrive i think yeah. that uh that absent of persecution um it becomes cultural judaism as also western judaism has become to to know where it's this thing that you do it's a box that you check but there's no sacrifice and yeah. this absent of sacrifice means nothing why do we yeah. like why do we because we're you are called to it like yeah. and 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 i just i came to the point where i wasn't sacrificing it wasn't it wasn't affecting my my day-to-day decisions and i didn't see myself as part of a community and i'm like uh, th- these things are essential to the gospel i see them plain and clear when i read the scriptures and they yeah. they don't do it it's not anything that churches want to talk about um they want to they want to um, give you something so that you give something back in return and that something back in return is money and is power. Um, and that was the final straw where I saw churches everywhere trying to become the next mega church, the next church that had a million dollar pastor driving a million dollar car um, with 15 bros at his heels, trying to get the power that overflowed from his cup. And yeah. like, I was just like, it's, it was the story everywhere that I saw. And I was just like, this is a power play. Like the currency of America has become influence. And some of the most influential people are these pastors who get to run around and you've seen it the last five years. The what's the elephant room debate show that like popped off like on YouTube, like four years ago, like all of those pastors minus two 
yeah. have lost their churches. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, it's been issues. But here, here's what I didn't say with that, man. Like, that's why I'm big on history, though, because history gives you all the facts. You can't name me one person in this, let's just say, white Western church history, because it's not church history, who didn't benefit off of the message. And I'm talking about, like, you put up Whitfield, he used slaves to build his orphanage, right? Uh, you, could, you could do Edwards, the slaves, right? Um, homeboy, like, if, homeboy during Nazi Germany, but during persecution. Yeah. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he had the privilege of coming over here. That's what I'm saying. It's a benefit. Now, he went back and died in a concentration camp, so I will give him that. But here's, the, here's my point. Like when you have a when you have a situation where you can say, "I'm a lobby back to British Parliament in the for the Georgia South to reinstate slavery." George Whitfield. To me, I don't give a shit who started prosperity theology and calling it prosperity theology. You're using people in the definition to prosper your life with theology. Mm-hmm. So you can talk about Hagen and all those people all you want to. I would say they're your bastard child, but you are the father of them. Mm. And I ain't trying to hear no, well, so-and-so didn't say like, hey, God wants us a prophet. The hell with that. Christ says you will know people by their fruit. And your fruit was black people are here to help you prosper. This is stuff I read. Cotton Mather, who was one of the biggest colonialist Puritan preachers, he said, the blessed slave is but a gift sent from God to help bless this colony. That is the foundation that all this shit is built on. You want to, you want to, you want me to believe that God is in this? Hell no. Yeah. What do you mean? He gave the people, he gave y'all, your ancestors to Dan. Well, not Dan's ancestors, but other ancestors. <laughs> uh, on, man. Where Dan came from, so I can't blame him. But I'm like, bro, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, like even when I, when I, when I'm in Africa. And I, yeah. and on a cultural level, I experienced like community. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I need you to help. I need you to live. I need to help you. I need to help you live. Like, yeah. using resources, like I said, time, talents, and treasure on a level that had never been experienced for me here. Mm-hmm. And really being able to understood, oh, this is what the church acts look like. This yeah. is what it meant to give so everybody had in common. This is what yeah. it meant to like make sure and really care for your neighbor. And I feel like I, I can't speak to white community historically in America, but black community before desegregation was like that. We had to borrow sugar. We had to borrow eggs. We had to give. We had to help. Everybody lived amongst each other because we had to, because of the segregation. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. we, there was a sense of community that, man, if you're, if you're not good, I'm not good. And I think yeah. that's what I learned and saw that the Western church was missing. Is like, oh, yeah, like Dan's saying, like this whole individualism but even beyond that the idea that it's a system that maintains individualism so yeah. that people don't get together and recognize and realize what's going on yeah you know, conversations with young men like hey man you're asking me for money to to wash my shoes or to wash my car so you can pay for a hillsong conference but you don't have school fees and you're here volunteering all the time so why right. would i give you money so that you can go to a conference that this church is putting on that they should be sponsoring you anyway, when you could be putting this money on your books. Mm-hmm. So this kid isn't even being taught to think through the reality of like, oh mm. shit, I have logical things I need to do so that I can get out of this township. So if I choose, like wow. pay my school fees, right? 
But instead, you're being taught to believe that you should be giving this money to this institution, and then somehow your situation is going to be better. So it took somebody from hundreds of miles away, thousands of miles away, with a different perspective that's seeing outside, that's thinking communal, and thinking through how can I actually help this young man live a better life versus pimp him and, and figure out what I can get from him. And when you're in a situation in an institution that doesn't teach you to think through things and to see through things, you just fall, you just find yourself falling victim to this mentality. Yeah. So for me, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it just intentional. To me, it's intentional. Like you aren't teaching these people to think critically or to help themselves. You're, you're helping yourself. You know what I'm saying? So I think, I mean, there's, there's probably a few different audiences that we're speaking to. One probably fall more in line with um, me or even further down the line than me of just, seeking to understand um wanting to do to um see change happen wanting to see a a a appropriate and accurate form of christianity thrive in this country um but for y'all what do you think um it like is the next like what what is the path forward other than us doing this for the next 50 years it's effed up Mm. like i mean uh like and I'm and and there may be nothing. It may be prayer. It may be like, and and maybe separating yourself from institutions that need to fail and yeah. rising at the things that come out of the ashes of that. You know, mm-hmm. maybe the path forward. But I'm curious, At, what you think, um, as well as John, what you think is like, what is the path <clears throat> forward um, for for the for white for white Christians and what can they do? What can white what can Western Christianity do other than repent and and change? Um, and maybe nothing. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think God needs to desolate the whole system. Um, and I'm gonna tell you why. If God is true and his character is what his character is, there's no way in hell he's gonna allow 400 years of genocide, human trafficking, and sex trafficking of a people group to remain intact. He just won't. So if you're listening to me, you bet, bet your bottom dollar. God's going to judge it. And he, he's been doing it. I, I think he's been kind. 1620, bubonic plague, it broke out in Europe, and it killed 60% of Europe. 1720 is another outbreak. 1820 is another massive outbreak. 1920 is another one. We in 2020, guess what we have? We have a pandemic. You see what I'm saying? And this is 400 years, man. Like, it's, it's not by happenstance. So I think... And then you go to Christ, Christ, what did Christ say? All these bricks are going to come down. Rome got mm-hmm. desolated. Rome got desolated because when the people of God are so tied into the empire and they will not be what he has called them to be, he desolates it. He brings it to ruin. That's in the scriptures. So I believe, you say, what well, they need to go for either there needs to be some first of its kind of revelation of we need to wake up and bring this thing down and change everything. But people are so ingrained and so much money coming in, like the temple courts, Jesus day, that only God's going to bring it down. I believe he's going to bring it down, you know? So that's one, two, if you talk about tangible thing, I'm be honest with you, white people to me and Christianity, they don't have, they're not willing to have the honest conversation, bro. Um, it's, 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 it's almost like a double standard to where I go, come on, y'all. Like, this ain't, this not, this is not what Christ did when it talks about the origins 
and what was done under the origins, right? It, it, it's just not. But I get why, because when you aren't a people who has been subjected, all you can do is spiritualize it. All you can do is focus on sin. That may sound bad, but I go, there's, there's bigger things to the kingdom of God than just telling people not to sin. And that's why a lot of heinous things remain, mm -hmm. and they remain because they focused on sin and not the actual life that Christ lived to change people's lives. Yeah, I agree. I agree. JP. I'm trying to say this without sounding like a white apologist. Um, so my, my, my mind is spinning because uh, my homie just got destroyed on social media the other day, and I just don't understand black people sometimes. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I'm trying to appease the black people that may be listening and as well as help, you know, some some of Dan's skin folk. Um, but I think that until um, lighter-hued Americans, Western Christians, divorce their ethnicity from the gospel, it, they're a hopeless cause because everything that they do, say, believe, trust in is their True. culture and it's become synonymous with the faith they say they have. You understand That's what I'm saying? Good. So I'm like, good. well, Dan, you had a, like, a moral dilemma, a spiritual dilemma, like all of this thing collapsed everything that you built your foundation on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like like it, it, it had to collapse for you. Yeah. Um, and thankfully it didn't send you into a, you know, psych, psych, I don't know, like a psychiatric emergency, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Maybe totally. one or whatever, but like, yeah. I mean, I was depressed as hell. Like, I mean, I was like, it was, it was a hard season of life. Yeah. yeah. It definitely was like, I mean, I like, I don't want to cut you off, but yeah, just, yeah. like my whole point was, it was it's simply that and I like I kind of had this revelation as me and AT were texting earlier this week. Like, I almost lost my soul because mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to fight against the hypocrisy and to call and to like and follow Jesus and spend time like following His life mm -hmm. at like an intimate mm -hmm. level to say like what like what is what am I called to? What sacrifices mm -hmm. uh, daily? Am I called to, um, in order, and like every religion, Eastern religion, I think AT, you hit the nail on the head. Like it, it focuses on the sacrifice to, to find your betterment. And I think that they're tapping into something, the Imago Dei that they each carry. That is this idea of like, you must like sacrifice in order to find better. Um, yeah. and I was rationalizing and, um, trying to um distract myself from the hypocrisy with menial things like you know the uh the clover like the like the idea of you know the inerrancy of scripture like mm -hmm. the perseverance of the saint like all of these mm -hmm. things that like i would spend hours reading about and wrapping mm -hmm. my brain around um it didn't save me 
and no, I thought it would. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of it, what I came to terms with, it was only the person, um, the refugee, uh, the um, bastard Jesus of Nazareth that was like willing to save me um, mm -hmm. and was capable of that. Um, yeah. And and studying who he is and where he is from and uh the i mean the day laborer he is a day laborer ah, he jesus was, was a day laborer t-shirt like like, uh, like accused as a drunken like as uh, like a homeless um like self <laughs> self-given the name of rabbi mm -hmm. like I mean, mm -hmm. if he existed in a society, he would be absolutely outcast. And AT, mm -hmm. I'm going to steal something you told me that if he showed up today, Western Christianity would not acknowledge him. We are mm -hmm. Pharisees. Like mm -hmm. we, we would not know he is in our presence. And that mm -hmm. scares the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, let me, let me say something to that point. Cause I think this is very pivotal and most people are not going to hear this. Um, and I mean, most people, you won't hear this or someone's not going to have the courage to say this to you. I believe white Christianity is the rich young ruler. Let me explain. If you go back and look into the scriptures, there were different people groups that would come out to John the Baptist when he was baptizing people. And John the Baptist said, who, who wants you to flee from the coming wrath of the Messiah? And then he said to three different people groups, the soldiers, tax collectors, and the Pharisees, he said to the soldiers, for you to follow the kingdom, you need to stop exacting too much force on people. Stop abusing your Roman uh, soldierhood on people. To the tax collectors, stop taking advantage of your position and getting money off of people. You're being greedy. To the Pharisees, he said, bear fruit and keep your repentance. Fast forward, Christ has a young, rich young ruler come to him. And the rich young ruler is looking at everybody else and what everybody else did. He's thinking like, yo, I kept everything. And he says, but to you, you got to sell everything, give to the poor, and come follow me. And here's the problem. A lot of y'all are hearing right now that that's an existential thing. That wasn't an existential thing. Remember, he had Jewish skin. He was despised. Jews were despised by the Romans. Lowest class. And he was homeless. So he was asking that rich man to literally move his physical earthly position to that of a lower one. So that means that role, that, that person, that, that rich young ruler would now get picked on because he's associated with Jesus, mm -hmm. would now get looked down upon because he's associated with Jesus, would now be despised and, and, and be prejudged or have racism towards him because of Jesus. And now just because of association, it wasn't the money that he went away sad. It was the it was the day to day association. I'll give it to you like this: If I said to any person right now, I think be hard. Sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and my nigga, they got bleaching cream. They got black cream now. Yep. Go 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 become a black person. Yep. For the rest of your life. So when you walk out that door, you gonna be targeted now. When yep. you walk out that door. You go. That's that's what Jesus called the rich young ruler to. Like, I'm not giving up your stuff. <laughs> he could have easily said, give up your stuff, give it to the poor. And he could have said, look, in six months, you can make it all back. That ain't what he said. Mm. You got to have a, the association of subjectivity. And listen to me. 
white folks don't know that subjectivity in America because that's not the origin. Yeah. And if we can't have that conversation, I'm going to say what Christ said. It's hard for a rich man to get. Y'all are the rich man. The society was built for y'all to be the rich person. Great. It's a dangerous place to be. And we can, and I, and like, I think with the things that uh, I think we, we saw it put on full display without getting into it, that um, white Christianity is going to steal the souls of more people than it saves. Um, and that is a scary proposition um, because we have become the opiate of these masses. Um, white Western Christianity um, is placating to the people to say that let this be palatable to you. Let us make mm -hmm. the, teach the hard teachings of Jesus palatable and we'll even change words when we so choose to make them better, to make them easier to swallow. And that is some bullshit. Hey man, yeah. don't you that talk about the white blessings. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. I was, I'm not, okay. I'm not. Okay. Because mm -hmm. we don't need that. There's enough fuel under that fire right, right now. But no. the, the, the point is, is that like, are the places that you're worshiping, placating, curbing, like softening the gospel uh, to a point that you have nothing to do you you can sit in your current space and never change and yeah. find heaven and that is not the gospel that's not the gospel yeah. um jp i cut you off man yeah. so please kind of wrap bring it home for yeah, us. no i was just saying that like from a psychological standpoint until people have breakdowns like you until people have the experience that you had white that's what we're talking about right now dear white friends until they are ready and willing to give up privilege, to give up money, to give up status, to, um, I, don't even, I don't even wanna say march and whatever, but just be in community and be in the lives and be like Jesus. And I tweeted that while we were talking, so I stole it first, but a brown skin, homeless day laborer, you know what I'm saying, until the end of that life, where it's just like, yo, like, like, you have to understand community, you have, to understand what it means to need somebody else you have to like i've lived in europe or not i've been to europe for extended periods of time and some of the biggest things with socialist countries is that they have a quality of life where they're taken care of and they don't need a god they don't they're mm. they're, they're financially mm. taken care of they have a standard of living that they can live off of or regardless of what their occupation is they can be a pizza man or they can be a doctor they're good they got health care they have all of these things that are going to secure their 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 spot on earth Roof over their head, money in their pockets, water to drink, food to eat. So they don't need God. But in, in America, in a sense of like, yo, they white people here are gods, right? Yeah. White yeah, people the rich here man. have, and not every, there are some Appalachian Mountain folks and some people here that might be, you know what I'm saying, from the parts. It's cool, I understand. But a, a majority, I just think that until people have the awakening that you had, and until they understand that they, they're lost, until they understand that they don't have the faith that they think they have, until they understand that their forefathers were devils and probably didn't go to heaven. Like, I don't have a problem saying that Edwards and all the rest of them guys weren't Christians. I don't have a problem with that. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Hopefully I'm not wrong and I don't have to stand before God and, you know, you know, whatever. But I'm like, at the end of the day, there is a lot of reckoning that has to happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's bigger than some protests. It's bigger than joining hands. It's bigger than kumbaya. Because at the end of the day, when all this stuff is done, White folks can go back to living how they live, doing what they do, spewing the nonsense that, not, that they've been spewing. 
and there's nothing that has happened in their heart. There's nothing that has happened on a spiritual level. Yeah. There's nothing that has happened. And I don't know if it's possible in the, the in America in the way it exists now. Like, I just don't know that there's enough pressure. I don't know if there's enough want to. Like, why would you want to? Like, if I was a a a a middle class white man that was able to do whatever I wanted to do and didn't have to worry about police and didn't have to worry about a message of the gospel that didn't suit me. If I didn't have to worry about that things, why would I change? Why would I do anything different? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's to your point. I don't think that message has actually ever fallen here Mm. because it produces such a different person. That's Mm -hmm. all I'm saying to Mm -hmm. your point. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to be hopeless. You know what I'm saying, Dan, on that end, but I feel like you not to make you the poster boy of this thing, but I feel like in this line of work that I do as a psychologist, bro, breaks happen in people's relationships, in their marriages, in their lives, when they get this place where they're like, damn, this cognitive dissonance, I can't ignore things anymore. I can't be in this space. I can't act like stuff doesn't exist. And they have to deal with the harsh realities. I have to deal with the harsh reality that I'm an a-hole husband sometimes. And until that harsh reality comes to me, I don't change. I'm like, man, she tripping. She tripping. That's on her. And so this is what has to happen to the psyche of people in America, Western Christianity. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I, I agree. And I, I think, um, I, I think that, uh, that is hopefully coming and I, and I hope it doesn't take, um, you know, this crazy judgment, but like, but please bring it. <laughs> right. Who wants that? <laughs> like, but please bring it swiftly. Like, yeah, because yeah. I think for my son's life and for the places that I can raise him and I'm thankful to be in communities of people that like, will like check me and my family and, and check my son. And, um, and he's not going to grow up, um, how I grew up and by God's grace, like it's only God's grace that I am here. And I am still like fighting for like, Lord, where are you? Like, I want to find more of you. Um, and I do, um, because, but I, but I see it happening in the white community. What I see happening is that people, instead of, um, going deeper and being like, okay, this isn't it, but you're there, God. I see a mass exodus in the white evangelicalism among my generation where people are just like, no, I just don't believe this. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they become, they become religious, like without religion. Yeah, like they're just like irreligious. Like they're just yeah. like, nah, we're good. And I see that wave coming for that, for my generation on my side of the fence that I've grown up on to say like, and that's why I say we're losing our souls because like, the yes this momentary suffering is achieving for non-american white christians a glory that far outweighs them all mm-hmm. and i think it's possible that the comfort is lulling us into a sleep that is is going to steal steal our souls mm-hmm. so um and i that and i'm here to to say to my white brothers and sisters like it doesn't have to be that way there is yeah a God that is calling us to something far greater. And yes, it's going to require sacrifice and it's going to require you to do something with, mm-hmm. uh, with the faith that you've been blessed with that, um, that we didn't deserve, but you got to do something with it. And sitting on mm-hmm. your ass is going to not end well. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, well, I just want to say thank you uh, for your time, AT, and yeah. hopefully we can do this again. And I think this was hopeful and and useful. And I think these conversations 
hopefully are enlightening. If you have questions, how for specifically for AT, um, how can people find you? Yeah, I'll say at Red Rev, you know, R-E-D, R-E-V is in victory. And uh, yeah, I'll respond. You know, <laughs> that didn't sound too confident. Yeah, I'll. Uh, <laughs> I'll I, was try, I was gonna throw. I was gonna throw my number out there, and I was like, Nah, nah, you gonna nah, get blown Don't do that, bro. <laughs> Just slide, don't do, don't do it. Don't, don't do, do it. Just let him. Slide I got it. your number after weeks and weeks of hitting you on Twitter. So you yeah. know, you hit him enough. You hit him enough. Yeah. He might reach out to you. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, at C John Roar, at Dan Dunk, uh, JP. I love you, man. Thank you for uh, going down this rabbit hole. Hey, man, we good, uh, bro. I just, you, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll let y'all. Appreciate y'all. All right, bro. Peace. Yep, yep. Magnify, magnify, lift it on high. Spit a Spotify to qualify a spot on his side. I cannot modify, ratify. My mama made me apple pies, lullabies, and alibis. The book don't end with Malachi. Devil will win employee of the month by the dozen. To one score in three years from the third when he doesn't. My village raised him a child, come through the crib and it's busting. You meet anyone from my city, they gon' say that we cousins. Shabak, Barack, edify. Electrify the enemy like Hedwig till he petrified. Any petty Peter Petter group could get the pesticide. 79th, 79th. I don't believe in science. I believe in signs. Don't believe in signing. I see dollar signs. Color white, color crime. Good God, the gift of freedom. Hosanna Santa invoked and woke up slaves from Southampton to Chatham Manor. My dream girls behind me feel like I'm James Early. The type of worship make Jesus come back a day early. With the faith of a pumpkin, see size mustard seed here. For I will speak noble things as interested me. Only righteous, I might just shrug at the skullduggery. I couldn't stand to see another rapper lose custody. Exalt, exalt, glorify. Descend upon the earth with swords and fortify the borders where your shortest lies. I used to hide from God. Duck down in the slums like shit. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.